When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Week 17 is, of course, a hot button issue across all of best ball. But how do you specifically use it in your drafts? When do you factor it in? When do you look to other elements? And maybe how do you implement specific stacks and other different variables as it relates to the fantasy playoffs and specifically week 17? How do we best draft teams with these kind of concepts in mind? That's what we're going to cover here today on Legendary Sickos, a legendary upside and spike week crossover. Let's do it. So, Pat, we wanted to talk again about kind of some some Week 17 stuff. And it's very difficult to intro a Week 17 conversation, especially when you've talked about it a bunch, without sounding redundant. Like, hey, we're going to talk about Week 17 again. But um, you you sent me ahead of time, I assume, by the time that this gets posted, the new your latest article will already be out. And I think while it is, again, some conversation about the fantasy playoffs, right? And week 17 and upside and correlation and everything. I think there's a lot of really interesting angles and some, just some ways we can think about these things or maybe ways other people aren't thinking about these things actually is probably the better way to view it that can really impact like how we draft. And in, in this specific piece, you outlined like a specific draft or some specific drafts and some specific um, kind of levers that we can pull and just how I would almost define it is we try to like be really like specific and in, in draft strategy, right? Do this or do that. Or here's what zero running back means. Here's what this means. When in reality, like you're just weighing like, eight different things every time you come on the right. clock, like later, later in the draft, like the first couple rounds, whatever. But like by round nine, there's like 10 different things that anyone that has kind of developed a skill for drafting is, is weighing. And I think we talk about it a lot through like week 17 and, and stuff, but week 17 is something that plays into those things. And I think we can dive into like, you get on the clock in round nine, dude. And there's like a bunch of picks who like are probably all viable. How the heck do you pick one? You know, like who's the best pick and kind of wading through that, I think is a fun conversation. Yeah. So I ended up writing this piece, um, which will be out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's kind of, I, I decided to write it after um, seeing some of the conversation on Twitter. Uh, one of the, the tweet that kind of kicked this off was Adam Levin Tan had a tweet where he was saying like, 
basically, you know, week 17 correlation is important. He believes in it, but it's not one of the top five things he's considering while on the clock and um, or thinking about. And that um, I think is like a fair framing. And it also kind of kicked off a number of other tweets where people were saying, here's like my list of things that I think <laughs> yeah. about, uh, you know? And so like, that was kind of the, the topic of conversation a little bit. What I would say and kind of why I decided to write the article is like, if you're like getting up to speed on best ball specifically, and you're kind of, you know, a little bit newer to sort of the best ball fundamentals, which, which Adam laid out in his tweet, uh, he said, roster construction, stacking, ADP, player ranks slash takes and positional capital, all more important um, in terms of things he's thinking about when on the clock than week 17 correlation. Um, if you're still like making sure you're like hitting those fundamentals, I call them the blocking and tackling of fake football in the piece, then, you know, I think you do need to be thinking about those things more than thinking about week 17 correlation. But this is a, a show called Legendary Sickos. So... <laughs> So we're going to go ahead and assume that maybe you've drafted a bunch of teams and, you know, you're, or at least you're curious about what, you know, we're thinking about having drafted a bunch of teams. And so the article is uh, kind of laying out that my position on this is that if you feel comfortable with the fundamentals, then you may not be thinking about week 17 correlation enough. And so, you know, let's go ahead and tilt Adam, who was clearly a little tired of the week 17 conversation is wants to put it to bed. No, no, we're bringing it back up. We're saying, no, it's, it's in fact, it's, it's underrated. Week 17 is actually still underrated. I feel <laughs> bad by the way, for people that are sick of week 17 talk, because it is May 17th, buddy. Yeah. You got a lot more. To, ready, if you buddy. can't handle it yet, you are in for a long, like log off for the next three months. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote this whole article basically saying, I think, again, provided that you feel comfortable with the fundamentals, then you probably should be thinking about it more than you think. Um, and I got into a specific draft in which I like outlined kind of what I was thinking at various part, parts of the draft in certain parts in like the round, like four through six range. I was really just thinking about structure. You know, I, I kind of lucked into a nice little mini correlation to start. I did a Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs uh, stack reached a little to get that Allen uh, pair, but then uh, Ramondre Stevenson fell to me at the 310. So like, you know, that's a no brainer and also <laughs> correlated. But then I didn't really think about correlation for a while. I, I had to think about structure. I was behind the, I was behind schedule at wide receiver. You know, that, that became my primary concern. But uh, what I kind of go into in the draft is that you're in, in, in the article in general, is that like, we're actually trying to weigh a number of things, not all of them, are in agreement with each other. You've got, you might have a, a player that you really like at one position. You might have a huge ADP value at another position, but your structure is calling for something else. You know, like what, how do you weigh all of those things? And as long as you're comfortable with sort of how much weight to give those things, correlation comes in as like an extremely handy tiebreaker to put you on, you know, Otherwise, like, I think you could just kind of end up building a lot of the same team because what ends up happening naturally is you're like, well, in this situation, I prefer to do this. And you kind of just do the same yeah. thing over and over. Or these three players, I tend to pick this guy. I'm just going to pick them again. And you're on your exposures are out of whack, which I think is another thing correlation can help with. So, yeah, the um, 
the tiebreaker element of, of correlation, I think, is something that allows it to almost operate alongside the best ball fundamentals and point you in the direction uh, rather than just, you know, being another one of those things that you have to think about. How do you think about um, setting aside week 17 for, for just, just a couple of seconds? So if someone is listening and they're like, yeah, I've drafted quite a, quite a few best ball teams. I understand structures, right? I understand. Um, I don't want to reach three rounds on players. I understand. I don't want to draft five quarterbacks and those, those kind of things. But something I've always called, you called it the blocking and tackling. Like a lot of those things are what I like have typically called like, that's the ante to the game, right? You sit down yeah. and you're playing poker. You don't get to play <laughs> if you don't put the ante in. And all that is really doing. You do get is, to play. You're just not going to, you're not going to do all that well. Yeah, exactly. But so you, you're, you're, it's basically like, are you going to be the rake or not? Right. So <clears throat> this is, again, I'd make way too many like DFS parallels, but think of any like peer to peer uh, gambling or sports speculation or whatever, right. Go play, uh, go play anything. If you don't have the basics, the very basic things down there. And there are always going to be people that enter these tournaments and do not have the basics down, right? Those are the people we would call paying the rake. There is always, there's always an X percentage of people in newer, which a best ball kind of is newer, less efficient. Nobody really has the game solved. There's going to be more of those people, right? Because they're just like, just naturally less people understand how to do the very basic things correctly we could also argue in best ball we're still figuring out exactly like we know you know roster construction and some of that basic stuff but like it was just last year that most people didn't even agree on week 17 right and so what what in five years are we going to be talking about that that uh, we look back on and laugh but you have these basic things and like if if you are like trying to figure out as a, a fairly experienced drafter, but maybe, you know, you can't on the clock, right? Say, oh my God, okay, this guy, ha you have the situation that you just outlined, which this happens a lot, actually. You're like, okay, I need wide receivers because my team says I need wide receivers. But I'm in the seventh round and this running back is two and a half rounds past ADP. And, you know, but, oh, and then let's say he doesn't correlate, right? And like, when do we, and maybe I like him, you know, maybe, maybe I have him ranked higher. Right. So we're using all those things on the totem pole and he's not my sixth running back in seventh round. Right. It's my third running back or something. It's okay. Like my structure air quote structure is not getting thrown off. Cause I can still just not draft that many running backs, but like, how, how would you just like kind of frame that exercise in terms of how do I tackle that problem? Because that's a big problem that like everyone has. And everybody just says like, Oh, well, Look at your rankings, right? Like, look at your rankings. Let's start on this totem pole that, like, Levitan was saying. I'm not saying rankings are at the top or whatever, but, like, okay, how, right? Structure, structure says one thing. Ranking says another thing. Correlation says another thing. This, and there's five different competing things on this one pick. How do I go about starting to tackle that problem? Yeah. No, I think that's, that's like exactly. And so I guess what I would say is, like, if one thing is just correlation, then that's the thing that you, do want to kind of ignore because it's not I mean not in every single case but but that's where in the list like correlation would be the lowest thing like you you don't want to just say well this guy correlates so I'm taking him even though I hate his gut and uh, <laughs> he's he's a reach you know yeah, and right, it doesn't right, right, right. help my structure and there's other things that I should be doing with this pick right 
That's, Side note, that's it just reminded me of, of one thing. Uh, I'm seeing it not necessarily through this exact same lens, but it just reminded me of the Derrick Henry hype we've slowly started to see. And uh, that is my week 17 issue uh, that I foresee for this summer is people being like, well, you know, Derrick Henry plays the Texans twice in the, in, in the playoffs. And then, and then, uh, th- dude, it happened on schedule release day. Somebody was uh-huh. in our Discord, not calling anybody out, but they were like, oh my God. I have no Derrick Henry. He plays the Texans. I'm like, this is literally the problem with week 17 is that you're thinking about it already. Like, oh my God, I don't have Derrick Henry. I have to get some. And then somebody posted Derrick Henry's game log history against the Texans, you know, in reply to me, like, what do you think about this dummy? And I'm like, God damn it. Like four months, <laughs> four, four months of hearing Derrick Henry against the Texans, you know, game logs is what we have to, to look forward to. But that's the thing is, right. If it's just that, if it's just the you're like oh my god week 17 it's just that then i think we're getting it out ahead of ourselves and there's going to be a lot of examples of that that's it that, and it, it can be easy to fall into that trap right like for it sure seems per, it seems good like derrick henry against that or it seems good to get the correlation but like it's just never that simple right and you have to think i, I we talked about this last time but you know it's kind of you're pulling a lever that helps you in the finals and in the same way that drafting rookies would help you probably, you know, in the finals relative to veterans. But if you just draft rookies, draft only rookies, you know, you're not, <laughs> you're not going anywhere. And like, it is also, I, I tend to think through things like if there's like a gross veteran type of play who I especially don't like, then am I really going to bet on that guy in week 17 on new year's Eve next year? That's, you know, I'm like, I'm already like, I don't know if the, how much this guy has left. So am I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, but he's a perfect fit for a new, for new year's Eve of, of next year. It's like, we're not going to be very good at predicting exactly what happens uh, next year, you know, but we are, we do know which teams play each other. And so we want to, we want to say, right. all right, well, at least I've made a bet on this game. And if this game goes off and there's points in this game, then, um, you know, I, I'm going to stand a benefit from that relative to the rest of the field. One, I'll, I'll bring up an example that I used in the article that I think kind of helps talk through some of the the ways that you know I kind of think through correlation. So, um, in round uh, nine, I grabbed. So in round nine, I needed a wide receiver five in this draft. Um, that's something that. Uh, you know, Pete Overzet has pointed out about the winning lineups last year, five wide receivers through nine rounds being a key element. Uh, Hayden Winks found that five through five to six wide receivers through 10 rounds was optimal last year. So structure was saying wide receiver five would be pretty good here. Um, and I had this Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, uh, Ramondre Stevenson stack built out. I'm already betting on that game. Juju Smith-Schuster was sitting there. Okay. He's a, he's a bit of a reach, Juju, but he fits that game. But I don't like Juju, and I don't think he's a very good bet, you know, for week 17. And he's not a value. And Cortland Sutton was also there, who I'm not a huge – he's not a huge target for me. I mean, he's certainly a risky pick as well, but I have him 16 spots ahead of, of Juju in my rankings right now. So, like, this was not a particularly close – I wouldn't say the correlation was a tiebreaker. And this is where I think correlation, maybe people aren't thinking about it enough because I also had Mike Williams on this team. Mm. So 
guess who benefits from correlation as well as Juju? Corland Sutton. I now have a Broncos Chargers mini correlation. That's what I went with. I went with that because I'm still benefiting from week 17 correlation. I'm building out additional week 17 correlation. Just because I already have this one stack does not mean I need to just build only around that one stack. I can continue building out these minis. Now in round 10, I just got Sutton. So Russell Wilson is sitting there. So now I can make that Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton to Mike Williams as a bring back. So now I get a second full game stack. The only problem is I spent a second round pick on Josh Allen and Russell Wilson would be a giant reach in terms of ADP, even though Sutton, I got at an ADP discount. Uh, Wilson would have been a 17 pick reach. So the overall uh, combo of grabbing both would actually be an ADP value loser by grabbing Wilson. And I also just wrote an article about how uh, you shouldn't reach for quarterbacks. So, <laughs> so personally, so you, have a, you have a brand to uphold. Yes. Brand uphold. Dignity. Dignity. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I passed on Wilson who was like actually an okay chance of, of coming back um, in round 11, but I think would have been a pretty big, big reach by ADP certainly in round 10. So instead of taking Wilson, I grabbed Damian Harris, who is correlated with Josh Allen negatively in week 17. You know, I already have this. I, I should have mentioned I also grabbed Gabe Davis in the seventh, seventh. So this is this is a Josh Allen double with Ramondre Stevenson. Harris, if he's scored, if he scores a touchdown, I'm I'm like crying if this team's in the <laughs> final and Harris scores a touchdown. I do not want that. But let's go to structure again. He's my running back three in round 10. He has, he's a veteran with a, a projectable committee role. He's an advance rate play. I've already made a gigantic bet on the bills. I, I need that offense to be good. If that offense is amazing, then Damian Harris is probably gonna have a pretty good season. He's going to help me advance. Yes. So I'm still getting, I'm using the correlation, but now in a different way, I'm saying I want an advance rate play. I want to build out structurally instead of going quarterback two, which doesn't make a ton of sense structurally here in the 10th round with Josh Allen, I'm going to go, with the better structural play, I'm skipping. I've skipped two obvious correlation plays. I skipped Juju as a bring back. I skipped Russ as a completion of that Denver uh, Chargers stack. Skipped both. But in both ways, I, I prioritize things that I thought fit better structurally, fit better in terms of player targets, fit better in terms of getting this team to the finals. And I also did get correlation in both picks, a different type of correlation mm -hmm. in both, but but both ways, I think, helped me in terms of what I was trying to accomplish. The first gave me a, a second out, which I didn't end up capitalizing on, but it gave me a second out to, you know, potential quarterback and still have this little mini stack. I'm still benefiting. I added Marvin Mims later. Now I'm like, OK, go off, go off, Chargers, go off, Broncos, <laughs> go off, Russell Wilson. I've got Josh Allen. You're not beating me. Right. Like exactly. I've got a double stack with Josh Allen. I'll be fine. Do, do your thing, Russ. So. I'm trying to get as many points into my lineup as possible. Building out additional correlation helps me get there. See, I love this conversation because this is like all the nerdy shit that I love to think about. But when you, that's why, like, again, this is not a Levitan's tweet was, was totally fine. And frankly, I say similar shit like that all the time because it's the easiest way to explain. Yeah. yeah. Right. When, when, when people ask, what does week 17 correlation mean, right? What do you prioritize or whatever you do? What Levitan say? I always call it like a decision tree or a totem pole or whatever, right? If this, then that, 
you know, if this guy's available way past ADP, but maybe he's not even my top ranked player, that factors in here, this factors in here, blah, 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 right? They're always just trying to figure out where week 17 kind of lies. And it's never really a straightforward answer, but you just tell people it's kind of a tiebreaker that they, it, it res that resonates. It makes sense. You say, yeah. I prefer Stefan Diggs at this pick. Yeah, that's a bad example. I prefer, right, uh, up my rankings and even my preference say Russell Wilson at, at this pick, but he doesn't, uh, but there's someone else right there that has correlation with a, another player on my team, right? And uh, Derek Carr, I'm just making up. I have uh, Chris Olave. I don't have any of Russ's guys, even though I have Russ higher than him. I, you know, these other things start to break ties in that, and week 17 yes. is one of them. But the dream, the absolute dream, which is literally never going to happen to anyone, is you draft 18 players on underdog or 20 players and every pick checks all of those boxes, right? If we could make a dream draft, you would always get your highest ranked player at every single pick, which of course is not ever, ever going to be a happen. massive value. Yeah. He's past ADP. Justin Jefferson at the 112. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's, this is what we're talking about is, is uh, it's almost like the, uh, if you could get the first 18 picks, would you win or whatever? It's not right, the same right. thing, but it's, it's the same premise, right? You would get, he would court, right. He'd be correlated um, on this specific team with someone else, whether it's his quarterback or his week 17 game, right? There's, if you had it, let's make a best yes. lineup. If we had it our way, that's what would happen. The problem is it not only does that never happen, you get to every pick and you are literally conflicted on which things I should, you know, stand for on that pick. And I love the Russ one because it's a little easier with quarterbacks, but the example is so, so true. You get to Russ and you say, okay, we look at um, Levitan's list or my own list of all of those things. And you say, let's just say he's your highest ranked player available. I know in this example, he wasn't necessarily, but he's my highest ranked player. Right. So this is also the flaw of rankings. Like people just upload rankings and you draft off of rankings. You can really get into trouble doing that too, which shout out to DraftKings. You can actually toggle between rankings you and can? 80. Yes, you can. Oh, they made a lot of upgrades, dude. Like DK is not messing around. Um, you know, the, that the drafting experience still is not amazing, but they've made a lot of really good, really good upgrades. Um, so uh, for people interested in DraftKings, check that out. Uh, also launched a bunch of sweet contests. They really uh, did. Anyway, the, 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 the portfolio of contests on DraftKings is very appealing for best ball players. No matter what you want to play, no matter what payout structure you like, entry fee, single entry, 150 max, everything, they got it all. Yeah, uh, jump in those because uh, yeah, the 44 tournament isn't filling quite as fast as I like. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so if you like higher bucks. stakes, obviously right, obviously they have the you know, $555 millimaker, which is fun because there's a million up top. But uh, they have a $250 single entry, I believe, is what it is. That uh, I, That's actually what made me, I was looking into that tournament and I decided to make a little like contest uh, selector, basically. It's just a, a grid that shows you all the details about every best ball contest. And that one is like the dream contest. Almost basically 1% of the entire field make the final, even though it's a small, so it's a small field final. You can get there easily. Uh, like the, for, but first place isn't too much, right? Is this like 20% or something like that to first place? The min cash stuff is good. Like everything, I was like, holy shit, this tournament is, is absolutely amazing. And But I wanted to compare it to like, okay, this seems amazing, but what does it actually look like against every other tournament? 
and so anyway, I put together this little grid that was um, pretty cool. It's up on, on the website, but anyway, the Russell Wilson thing, I have no idea how we got down that path, but Russell Wilson, <laughs> you that reached an amazing out. Tangent, actually. I loved it. I know that's me. I'm, I'm literally almost done with my I was coffee. Riveted. So, that's where, so that's where it's coming from. <laughs> Too much caffeine. You get to Russ, right? And if you say, use Levitan's list or like my, your list, and it's literally, let's start at one and go down to five. And let's say you start with ranking or projection. If you just pick that, it actually might be a really horrible pick, right? Because of everything you outlined, you have Josh Allen, you know, uh, maybe he doesn't correlate in week 17. Maybe he doesn't uh, fit your structure, but he's your highest ranked player. So it's not really like this, this decision tree where it's so binary at the top. It's actually a bunch of things all playing together. Whereas you reach another point where actually I have a guy ranked higher and, and that guy does fit my structure. So you might say, well, just take, take that guy. But the other guy has right correlation and week 17 and it's close enough. Maybe he's an ADP value as well, right? Yeah. They're both ADP yeah. values. And it's like, okay, I'm all I'm getting is a little higher of my like subjective rank of this player. Does that outweigh the, the, all the other stuff. And I mean, I, I'm not saying I have the right answer because there is not always a right or a wrong answer, but that like putting all the stuff on the scale, like you're putting, okay, so let's put this on this side of the scale and let's put this on this side of the scale. It, it, you, you really have to do that balancing act on all those, all those uh, variables on each pick. And I, I think we do shocker and best ball and fantasy football. We try to make everything seem so easy and straightforward and binary. We want an answer, right? Should I draft a running back or should I draft a wide receiver? Should I, you know, should I draft an elite quarterback or should I draft, you know, late round quarterback? And it's like, just like those, this conversation is, the answer is always like, it depends. It's like almost yeah. always the answer is it depends. It, it, it's, it depends, but it's what I, this is why I think like, if you're just thinking like, okay, I've got, I've got my week 17 bet, you know, I'm going to need this, this, the simple, easy thing. The, the you're not thinking about correlation enough approach to this, in my opinion, is, you know, you grab, you reach for Russ. Because now it's like, I did it. I checked the box. I have Russ to Cortland Sutton. And, you know, you get Marvin Mims. I've got a double stack. That's mm -hmm. pretty sweet. Seems but, great. Seems great. But, like, your running back three is going to be pretty weak, right? Because it's 11th round or later. You might have to reach for a running back to who you don't even feel good about as a result of reaching for Russ. Now you put this team in like, yeah, it's it's better optimized for week 17, but it's not actually maybe as likely to get there in the first place because you had to make some or, sacrifices. Or even as strong because ADP value and ranking and, and that stuff is projection and all of that, right? The the worst the, the more rounds you move down, the worse the player's projection and ceiling ceiling gets generally very oversimplified, but generally speaking. And then we know that ADP value is good. So you're sacrificing two very important things on that totem pole just to get the, the correlation. Yeah. And my, and this is a little bit of a, a personal take, but I generally think given quarterback pricing that if, if you take Josh Allen in the second round, he better hit your week 17 lineup. <laughs> yeah. He, like, cause you don't, you don't have a week 17. You don't, your second, your second round pick is dead if, if Allen doesn't hit your lineup. So like not having Russ there, it's more about, well, you don't have a second quarterback to help get you to the playoffs. 
Right. Now, it's not impossible that Russ could go off and, you know, you have leverage on these Josh Allen teams. But if you've also stacked up in this team, I had Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis with Ramondre Stevenson. Like, they get there and enough for me to finish first and Russ is my quarterback? Like, ah, I don't really see it. So it's more about my second quarterback is really providing me with a path to getting to week 17, not mm-hmm. week 17 specifically. So therefore, like, what am I really getting except like a nice warm feeling from finishing up that, that single stack with a bring back, you know, when I draft Russ instead, I should be thinking about like, you know, well, if Russ is really just there to help me get to week 17 as my quarterback two on a Josh Allen team, maybe there's a better way to help me get to week 17, maybe taking the running back that's paired with Josh Allen when I need a running back more that's actually a better move of helping me get to week 17. Maybe mm-hmm. Damian Harris goes off in week 15. Josh Allen ends up being underrepresented, you know, in week 17, because a lot of Josh Allen teams got knocked out. He has a quiet week or whatever. Right. So that's, that's where I think like, if you just are trying to check the box with the correlation, then you're probably like, you're probably over correlating. But what I'm saying is don't, don't not think about it. Think about it even more. Think about who else is correlated. I like what this. can I what can I pivot to? And then I think another thing is like one of the things for me when you talk about like all those the weighing stuff and there's a lot to think about. And we know that our brains take shortcuts, right? We we get used to stuff. We get comfortable with stuff. And it's like in this, this is the round where I draft like this guy or this guy or this guy. But I but like, don't really even think about drafting like a tight end here. That's not where I draft tight end. You get like kind of in these patterns happens very naturally. And one of the things that I did in this build is that I, I had taken Kyle Pitts in the sixth round, which I, which I love. That was just, I think structurally, there's no correlation reasons to do that. I just think structurally getting what I think is more like a fourth round value um, in the sixth rounds. It's an amazing build. Um, you know, historically, it's just getting that elite tight end. It gives you a huge, I wrote a whole article on this. You can check it out on Legendary Upside. But I think it gives you a big edge in best ball tournaments to have a guy who can actually, who actually has a path to like multiple spike weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the spike weeks happen at the right time, which, you know, you need luck. But if they do, like you're, you're going to be in really good shape. So yeah. I already had Kyle Pitts. I then later on in the draft, I grabbed uh, Cole Komet. And Tyler Algier in round uh, 12 and 13. So that formed the grossest, grossest <laughs> little mini game stack. I say in the article, it's probably going to be 11 total plays in this game. So are you dying to stack up? Are you this dying year's, to stack this up? Is, this year's Ertz and uh, Algier is, yeah. uh, is this. Yeah. It's Pitts, Komet, Algier. Komet, Algier. <laughs> yeah. Let's take it one step further. Pitts, Komet, Algier. So now, here's what I'm saying. I'm like, all right, I need an RB4. He's got contingent value out here, right? I grabbed him around 13, which is a good spot to have four running backs uh, through those rounds. That's that's a rule of thumb I used uh, last year. That's something that, um, again, Hayden's research pointed to. Uh, you want to have, you know, uh, looking at making sure you have enough, enough running back investment by that point in the draft. Um, and... You know, if Algier is like starting that game, you know, as a contingent play, 
then it's pretty easy to imagine like it's two touchdowns and a run or two uh, tight ends and a running back. It's just, they're all touchdown plays. So do I, you know, can also, so I don't need the game to be a shootout. I need right all three guys to score. I need the offense to be moving efficiently. Um, and you know, there's, there are some touchdowns. So I build in that little mini correlation. Now you could say that it's a silly mini correlation, which it is, it is kind of a silly one, but <laughs> I went back and looked I've done, I think, 43 drafts to this point, and I had Cole Komet on just one other team. And, and, this, and when I say these are my post-NFL drafts, mostly puppy, I think was, <clears throat> I have like nine BBM teams done. Um, but I'm like not low on Cole Komet. He's not like a major target for me, but he's just not – I'm actually above ADP on him in my ranks. But I drafted him twice in 43 teams, and if I didn't draft him – in this draft, as part of this silly correlation, I've just been just been once on one puppy team. Yep, that stuff happens to me all the time. And when I'm trying to manage exposures, which is I think another key element here, it's maybe not blocking and tackling for a given draft, but certainly for mass entering best ball tournaments over entire summer, you want to be able to manage your exposures. I mean, that you guys have a whole company built out. Uh, <laughs> with tools literally the premise behind this company, yeah, is like yeah. I don't know how many teams i drafted with with gold commit on them feels like i should know that if i'm going to draft thousands of dollars of basketball teams 100 percent. so it's like if i'm if i'm feeling like huh man yet again here's a guy who i like don't dislike but i found myself being pretty underweight on then correlation becomes a way of just like getting me off the beaten path Right. Because we just we tend to find these little pathways through the draft that we feel comfortable with. There's a million things that we have to think about. And so if you know, like, well, I know this one works, you'd end up doing it more than, you know, trying to think through, wait, can I go here? What does the rest of my draft look like? How do I navigate it from here on out? But saying, OK, you know what? I already have a Falcon. I'm going to grab a bear and then I'm going to grab another Falcon that created this little thing. It put me on a commit team, which I want commit teams. That's if you told me like, how many commit teams you want? You'd be like, I don't know. You know, pretty like, even with the field slightly more, it's like, well, you have right. one. <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. Then, you know, like that. So I just think it helps. It's actually like a, another example where the correlation here, it fit with structure, right? I got it. I got my tight end two. I'm done at tight end pits commit done. Saves me a roster spot. Don't, don't need a tight end three. I get my my fourth uh, running back in kind of exactly the round where I would like to make sure I have a fourth running back by. You know, I like Algier. I like Komet. I got them both at slight ADP discounts. So everything, you know, checking boxes. But I don't think I get on that without the correlation because I wasn't, I just, for whatever reason, wasn't drafting a lot of Komet. Yeah, and uh, that well, that can be what, what I found a lot we're in a little bubble. This happens all the time, but like you said, your, your brain is taking shortcuts and we hear all the time about uh, what you somewhat debunked, right? Tight end sucks. Uh, and, and it, 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 it does, but just maybe not That's in the part way of the people... appeal. It's yeah. part of the appeal of elite tight end is the tight end sucks. It's because right. they're like, but yeah, one guy if, has if it all two, sucks, good, two the... good games and it's amazing. Yeah. If it all sucks, I don't even need George Kittle to be that good. And he's one of the only guys that can be that good. So, so that's, that's very yes. valuable, but, but the, so just thinking about the, the commit thing, I'm not saying you did this, but it just reminds me because it, it definitely happens to me. All these things happen to everybody. No one is perfect. No matter how many best ball teams you draft, we're human. 
but you, you'll you'll fall into this. Well, tight end sucks. So if I don't get Kelsey, and maybe you even still like the elites, right? You're like, no, Pat's right. If I don't get Kelsey or Kittle or Andrews or whatever, I'm just going to punt it off, right? And then especially if I got the elite tight end, right? If I got Kyle Pitts or TJ Hawkinson even, I'm not I, I, just whatever, whatever 18th rounder as my second guy, right? It's and I, And again, from a macro view in that vacuum of this idea of tight end, that is fine. That is totally perfect, fine. perfectly yeah. reasonable. Punting off all three, I think, can work. Like there's a 100%. lot of different paths at tight end. But that, but again, you get a sort of one track mind, right? That's a shortcut. You're like, I know I always got like I know in my brain, tight end past the elite guys, who gives a shit? So I'm just gonna wait forever, right? And we know wide receivers got pushed up. We know quarterbacks got pushed up. So I don't like any of those guys back there. So I'm just going to default to tight end. And you just keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. Even though you have Cole Komet, whatever, nine spots ahead of ADP in your rankings, you never get there with him because you always have this thing. Yeah. You just don't take a tight end there. And again, in a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with saying I'm not taking tight ends in the, in this range, but when you're building out an entire portfolio and you have, again, it's about this weighing of all these variables. Like if you had Cole Komet 25 picks past ADP, right? Or, uh, uh, 25 picks below his, his ADP in your rankings, you hated him. You know, you hate uh, whatever the bears, right? You have all these different things that, sure. and the correlation wasn't there. Of course you wouldn't get Cole Komet, right? Like I'm, I'm not, getting Dawson Knox as an example uh, who he keeps really plummeting. So maybe I will eventually. But up until this point, I haven't drafted any Dawson Knox because I've had him ranked at like 175 or something like that since they drafted Dalton Kincaid and he was going three rounds before that. So naturally I wouldn't get him, but this example, you're like, just because of kind of this one thing that's again, going back to this, this, how we're balancing all these things and it's not a decision tree is I can't just be focused on what I think about the tight end position, which is also part of this, right? This is something nobody ever talks about. They talk about positional allocation, but they don't talk about what does the tight end landscape look like? What is the tight end player pool, right? When Travis Kelsey retires, we can't treat tight end the same position, like the exact same way as we have for the last 10 years or eight years or whatever. When the best fantasy tight end of all time is no longer exists and is in the player pool right now. We're not there. So who, who cares? But like Kyle Pitts, right. When Kyle Pitts got drafted, he is something that we've almost never seen. Almost. Um, we've had first round tight ends. We've had great tight end prospects, but he's very, he was very unique. So you can't just treat the, the player pool as the historical data or what happened last year. Right. And again, those things are not wrong. It's just that we could keep stacking up all these things that you need you need to weigh. And I, I'm glad you brought up exposures because that was one that I was going to bring up, Shocker. It's clearly a, a passionate subject of mine. But that becomes part of the decision-making process as well. And it, it could be, you could be like Pat and you could say, I really don't know why I don't have, to, don't have this guy, which yeah. happens all the time. I, I think people really misunderstand how frequently, like, even if you are a guy who doesn't care about individual player exposures, right? You are uh, Felix who won the Millie two years ago. You're Liam who, you know, won the Millie, just like give me 70% of my favorite guys. You still will not get like other players with those guys as frequently as you think that they will, or you will not get 
right? I love Josh Allen. I'm going to draft all the Josh Allen stacks. You're going to get a lot less of, say, Josh Allen to Dalton Kincaid stacks than you think you're going to, even if you draft a ton of that guy. And so it has to play a part somewhere in this process. And that absolute exposures are what people want. Once it's over and we flip over the cards, you post them on Twitter and you say, here's my favorite players. They should be like a part of the whole process, the whole, the whole way. Right. And otherwise you're scrambling at the end and you're like, you're just like blasting guys into teams. Like I need more of this guy. And that's not (laughs) thoughtful, right? You're not like building out. So this is a way I think correlation becomes with the exposures, a way of thoughtfully building more of these guys into your portfolios. And like, to me, like, I wish I was thinking about this week 17 stuff back in, was it 2020 or when did Cooper cup have his massive breakout yeah. season? Was that 20, 2020, no, 2021, 20, 2021. 2021. Yeah. So I was like, that, that was one of those ones where I was like, I was drafting wide receivers all the time in this range. I liked Cooper cup. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like him quite as much as like DJ Moore or whoever else, T Higgins, whoever else was going in that range. Right. I didn't like him quite as much, but I liked him. He was not a fade for me. And I didn't, and I ended up underweight and I'm like, dude, you had enough wide receiver picks in that range to have plenty of Cooper cup. How did you blow this? Right. And to me, it's like week 17 correlation is one of the ways that you're making sure you're not blowing that. And you're not just like, you don't just find out, you don't just like wake up, in mid-August and you're like, oh, I'm in Cooper Cup. You know, I got to get more. <laughs> you know, I got to get more. So you just like, you're going, you're going, you're going, you know, hey, uh, in this case, you know, I, I drafted uh, Saquon Barkley. So now Cooper Cup's a terrible example because he's so expensive. But, you know, there's, let's say there's that, you know, the guy on the, the fourth, fifth uh, type of range where you feel like you're not, you don't have enough of, you can break ties to that player. Oh, I got Brees Hall. I'm going to get Amari Cooper. I don't like drafting Amari Cooper. He's not my favorite guy to draft, but I don't, I don't consider him a mega fade and his ADP is pretty high and he fell past ADP here and I got Brees at a discount. And now maybe I can do a Browns Jets thing or a Jets Browns thing. If I, you know, I could always tackle on Lazard and and make this a Rogers thing, right? I could tackle on um, uh, Conklin at tight end and, and, you know, and, and build out like a, a pass catcher double stack with Brees Hall helps me get there or whatever. Or I could take it from the, the Cleveland side as well. So, you know, doing that. But, like, hey, let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say you don't get Rodgers or Watson, and it's just this little mini correlation. At least it's a thoughtful way where you got an Amari Cooper share who you just don't like clicking. You just don't like clicking Amari <laughs> Cooper. He's just not that fun. But you don't intend to fade him, right? If, if you do intend to fade him, by all means, right? And I think, like, you talk to like Liam and stuff. He knows like what he's planning to do. You know, it's draft every bill and everyone who's ever talked to the bills and DeAndre Hopkins says <laughs> it might be a bill. He's, he's, he's very intentional with his approach. It's not random. You know, he's not like, Oh, I have all these giant stands and how did this happen? No, he's, he's going in saying I'm comfortable taking stands. I'm comfortable hammering Gabe Davis a couple years ago. Cause I think he's such a value. That's the way I like to play best ball. It doesn't, you know, and that's fine. If that's the way you want to approach it, you know, it's going to raise your variance, but this is a high variant game. And if you happen to be right, like you're giving yourself a chance of, of banking one of these uh, top prizes, which he obviously has. So there's, you can, you can go that route, 
But I would just say, make sure you know you're going that route. Make sure yes. you know you're fading a guy with with a huge amount. Uh, you know, you don't have you really haven't drafted any of them. That was something you thought about ahead of time and executed on, rather than like, oh crap. So, and that is so true. The the part about um, make sure you kind of know, and I think that is that might be the thesis of all of this is that why we need to weigh all these million different things and why it's so hard, frankly, is because people kind of start at the end, right? They, they say, I want to get, and I, I'm not saying taking stand player stands or whatever is, is wrong. I take more player stands than some of the, some of our other people in, in our space, not to the extent of, of like Liam and Felix and stuff where like literally every draft, you know, like you said, is a bill or the guy's first name is William, you know, that, 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 that I don't think I'm, take I'm a player way. stands guy too. I, yeah. I actually do want to have my stands, but I just want to make sure they they were all intentional, which they sometimes, sometimes they aren't unless I, I look at it and fix it. And this is what I love to do with, uh, you know, pumping our, our draft IQ tool, but in terms of making sure that my teams are as intended, right. I, I, I also have strategies um, that I want to employ. Some of them are player takes, right? It's all these things. Player takes, historical data, right? Roster construction, this year's player pool, blah, blah, blah. All that shit plays into what your strategy is and everybody should kind of define it for themselves. Or of course you can listen to us or other smart people. And you know, if you want to get, get some insights. But I, I go into the tool in just one really basic way is you can go to your like exposure page and the exposure page is just absolutely everything about all your teams, depending on, you know, if you're clicked on one individual tournament or all your teams, you know, so it tells you your structures, it tells you your players, tells you your stacks, tells you your week 17 stacks. But then I like to dig in to like, let's, okay, let's look at a player, like, right. We look at a player. Uh, if I were, if I were Liam or so why Felix won the Millie two years ago is because Cooper cup was one of his stands. I believe he had 75% Cooper cup on DraftKings. Good year for 75% um, Cooper cup. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Uh, but then I would go in and I would say, okay, that's part of my strategy as I'm taking a stand on Cooper cup, but that's not my only strategy for all of best ball. Right. I prefer to be lean more zero running back. Maybe I I'm, I totally love what Pat's saying about elite tight end. I want to be a little heavier on elite tight end, right? Um, and maybe there are some specific other players I'm also taking a stand on. I can plug in, I can plug in that player, Cooper Cup, and now it's going to show me just show me what all my Cooper Cup teams look like, and you'll quickly be like, "Damn, I drafted 50% Cooper Cup," and let's say. My second highest owned player is Najee Harris. Again, using like a, a Felix Felix example. Like those are my two highest owned players, but I only have five Cooper Cup and Najee Harris teams together, right? Those were two pillars of my 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 strategy, and I don't have them together. That seems wrong, right? As opposed to you get to the end of the year and you flip over the cards, and everybody right we'll, we'll all do it. You post your exposures on Twitter, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, you took a big." Stand You'll find out this. that everyone's exposures are bad. Sorry yeah, to yeah. everyone. They're all bad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Have you ever, I've <laughs> never seen anyone post exposures where all the replies were like, Oh, awesome. That's I totally I wish agree. those were my exposures. <laughs> nah, like those suck. Here's mine. <laughs> yes, it is the it is the epitome of like doom scrolling and hate, you know, hate <laughs> yeah, yeah. the hateful inner hate I might is take more that powerful. Week off. <laughs> yes. 
it's a, it shows you how much hate is a more powerful emotion than you know joy and happiness because everybody's just like fucking idiot idiot you know just like scrolling down you're you like naji idiot you like gabe davis moron don't you know you know gabe davis he sucks like it's just all people but like you can look and see right are you specifically implementing your strategy or you can figure out maybe you haven't even set that strategy right right like pat likes some player takes and he's got this you know elite tight end and correlation and stuff you can figure out if you're implementing it correctly and and no one does that like i said i it just like hit me almost this week was like our assessment as an industry of what someone's like takes are in terms of strategy for the year is when we screenshot our exposure pages yeah although it would be probably more of like screenshotting that draft iq type thing where it's like here's here's how many elite tight end teams i bid, elite quarterback teams i built um you know uh all the running back structures and all that stuff plus yeah because i mean it is more that ultimately is like what we're doing is as legendary sickos here is that we're like, we're drafting a bunch of these teams. So it is, it does ultimately boil down to like a portfolio management exercise 100%. at some point. Yep. Um, and, you know, you are going to find out like, I love these two guys and they're not as paired together as I'd like. Maybe you're going to, you know, just for the sake of, of fixing that, maybe you are going to draft a, you know, or just keep your eye at seeing if you can naturally like draft a couple of those guys together. But I think what this does is it, with with correlation in general it, it's going to help you just minimize the amount of those types of things that you find and it might also yep. help you minimize the opposite where you're like yes these guys are together like a lot and they're not correlated <laughs> they just happen to take them and i happen to take this guy in the third a lot i happen to take this guy in the sixth lot and you know like i drafted a ton of trailing burks in the pre-draft period um and i still like him but you know but i'm probably like less exposed to Traylon Burks now in part because when I get to that part of the draft, I'm like, well, you know, there's some correlation here that I can work with. I don't just have to hammer the same guy. And in my pre-draft teams, like, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Titans and the Colts have, have good week 17s. Cause I'm pretty sure I have a lot of like Anthony Richardson and Traylon <laughs> Burks paired together. That doesn't help. It <laughs> doesn't help correlation wise, but you know, Godspeed, but like, you're going to find a lot of that stuff in your portfolio if you're not using correlation at all, because again, you will take shortcuts just naturally, right? As much as we, you know, we're, we're sort of on the, the machine end of the man versus machine battles here, but, um, you know, still, still using a human brain to do all this stuff. Uh, yep. you, you will, you will just kind of land on the same answers a lot. Uh, cause that's how our minds work. It really is the, because it's so, there's so many different benefits to it right we clearly know that the week 17 correlation is at best or at excuse me at worst not hurting you right it's what i would it's what i think leone called it last year or two years ago even he was like i think you guys are carried away here but at worst it's a free roll meaning if you correlate assuming all else equal right assuming you didn't do something stupid you 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 know, the anti, you did the blocking and tackling. You didn't, you know, you didn't do that, that wrong. What does it hurt you? You're, you're not building in, you know, it's not like some, you know, drafting a guy six rounds ahead of ADP where we can probably say with good confidence, that's hurting you. You're just, you're just siding with a player who happens to correlate in the most important week. Even if you think that that's meaningless, it, it's at worst a free roll. 
at best, which is Eileen, I, I agree more with you, that there's a lot of huge benefits, particularly in best ball, NFL best ball, really most best ball, where it's like, dude, this happens one time a year. I need to pull every goddamn lever if I'm yeah. and it's really, it's really top heavy. Like this is well, the DFS. That's the other thing I talk about in this article is that like that, yeah, there's more regular season money up front, but like if you look at how that money is actually paid out in the regular season, $2.25 million is paid out in $250 increments. Right. So, I mean, at most, if you, if you just absolutely crush it, what's, what's 150 times, 150 times 250. Uh, this is 37,500. So that's pretty good. That's all of your teams finished in that, in that range, which is like impossible, but let's say you did it. Nice. Great job. But that would be, three... that's the new <laughs> that goal. Would, that, that would be way more would, impressive. Actually. I, I would like <laughs> to do that for the bit equity rather than, uh, you know, finish first or whatever, because that yeah. would be amazing. Something I think far more impressive than finishing first in Best Ball Mania <laughs> 4 pays out 37500 Um, It would finish, you know, let's say some of those teams finish higher. I'm saying you finish, all of your teams finish between 1,000th and 10,000th place. 1,000th uh, and 1st and 10,000th place. You'd, Which you'd is a, a nearly a top 1% team, by the way, for anybody that's... Uh, I also looked, looked at this, and it's like a top 1.5% team. Yeah. Just to just to get the 250, you have to have a you know 99th percentile, 98th percentile team in the regular season. Right. So you do that with all of your teams. I mean, that's that's amazing. Obviously, you know there are some bigger prizes up top. But last year, top prize two million dollars. Regular season top prize one million dollars, twice as high. This year, top prize three million dollars. Regular season prize down to five hundred thousand dollars. It's now six times as big. So. In my mind, like we're playing more for the regular season. Why? <laughs> the the money is six times higher if you finish first in week seventeen. The issue is if you don't finish first in week seventeen, it drops off massively. It's only three hundred thousand dollars for third, right? So you really do want to finish at the very worst second, which is a million. Uh, but obviously, we are playing for first place. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to get to week seventeen. You have to. You have to advance, then you have to finish first out of 16, first out of 16 again. You're like, if you're just a totally average drafter, you're basically expected to advance one team to the finals as a max entered drafter once every 10 years. That's kind of how the math works out. So it's really, really tough to even make the finals, but this is not a we're just happy to be there situation. Once you get to the finals, you do want to have pulled all the levers so that if a couple things break your way in terms of the games that you bet on, you actually vault all the way to the top of the standings and finish first. Because if you look at like the regular season prizes or the, the, the week 17 prizes, I mean, if you finish 51st, which is pretty amazing in a 441 team field that you, you, it was a huge accomplishment even to advance to in the first place, that's $5,000, which is, a nice payout, you know, certainly covers the max entering cost of, of $37.50, but quite a bit lower than $3 million. So you you really do. It's like it's not about finishing well in week 17. It's about finishing first in week 17. So like these like little micro edge levers and stuff, I just think they matter a ton. I think they matter a ton because of the way that the price structure just, you know, 
I mean, exponential, I think almost undersells. It does. These payouts work. It absolutely does. Think about, like you just said, you finish 40th or whatever. There's almost 700,000 teams in the, in the tournament. Like think about what that means. What an accomplishment. Hey, like you said, it's the hardest BBM we're talking about specifically for anybody uh, on, on underdog. It is significantly harder to advance in best ball mania four than any other tournament. The most difficult other advancement structures are on DraftKings, and they are every basically everywhere is two out of 12 advance out of the regular season pretty much everywhere and then the most difficult on DraftKings, no matter pick a tournament is one out of 12 advance in both week 15 and week 16 uh bbm is 33 percent harder than that in yep. each of those rounds to to yep. advance on top of that advancing out of your out, you know it used to be you would make at least like 10 bucks if you advance to the playoffs, you just get your money back advancing out of the playoffs, unless you have that top 1%, 1.5% regular season team. Right. So like the extent to which you have to finish high in this, even to like pipe dream about getting your money back, right? Like you, you just said finished. So you mean I have to finish two out of 12, one out of 16, one out of 16. Then I have to finish in the top 50 just to not lose money in that in that tournament that is well top 100 good you get 5000 yeah and i i suppose there are some the odds that you actually lose money if you finish 200th which would get you 3250 are pretty low because you probably yeah, got some other stuff along the way but uh but yeah you're kind of like you finish you finish 101st and it's like all right back at it again next year got my money <laughs> right you should, be, you should be so excited about that like think about the math of of how difficult it is like you just said to just to get there how unlikely it is to get there and then to finish that high in this you know million team tournament that is incredible and like you said what you're probably thinking is disappointment you're disappointed and you're like god damn i can't wait till 2024 you know i can't yeah. wait till 2024 to start trying <laughs> trying this year. again so but like what does all this like silliness means is you should be doing everything you can to attack first because almost nothing else matters. You talk is the only thing that matters. Like it's actually bigger than that. It is why is week 17 the only thing that matters? It's because the top couple places are the only yeah. thing that matters yeah. in a massive in a massive tournament. The only other thing I was going to say on that is you know outside of drafting say overlapping bye weeks at quarterback um or drafting maybe like Jamison Williams, right? Or Alvin Kamara, if he gets suspended or something, DeAndre Hopkins last year. Outside of that, you can draft teams for the week 17, the playoff top prize and still be extremely plus EV on the season long side too. Like you can have your cake and eat it too. It's just, I would never, if if I'm going to make a sacrifice, your point is perfect. There's three, there's a, there's 10 total million dollars on one side and five total million dollars on the other. And then there's a $3 million top prize and a $500,000 top prize on the other. And two out of 12 teams at least get their money back on the other side versus 99% of teams don't get any money on the other side. 
which one are you going to plan for? <laughs> like that seems pretty damn straightforward to me, which one I want to plan for, especially when I can still make teams that can win on one side. I just want to prioritize the other side more. And I feel for, uh, you know, I don't know if Josh and Hayden were lobbying saying, listen, this week 17 stuff, we got, we got to get back <laughs> to player takes. What are we doing? Because uh, I honestly think this makes the week 17 stuff matter more because you have to finish first in week 17 that's like you you've got to be pulling every lever to make sure that your team bubbles up to the very top um yeah because yeah if you finish uh you know it, it just it just matters so much more that you actually um do take down one of the top prizes so yeah I, what i would say too is there there are other structures and in one in 12 doesn't sound like a huge difference compared to one at 16, but as I said, like your odds of, uh, or your, your expected finals showing would be once, uh, every 10 years as a totally average, uh, max enter, um, drafter in, in underdog best ball mania four, but that one in 12, one in 12 structure takes it to one every six years. So it's actually five, 5.7. So it's actually slightly, slightly better, um, than one every, every six years. So, you know, that is meaningfully better. Now it's still not, yes. it's still not great, but you, <laughs> it's still, yeah, it's still meaningfully better. One thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, because this is something on this particular team that I outlined, I actually did kind of potentially sacrifice some week 17 upside. Maybe I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, because what happened is, so I didn't take that Russ uh, stack that I talked about. I went with Damian Harris instead. Yep. Yeah. So I got boxed out of, the quarterback too. Now you got maybe some other options, right? You go through, could I, could I have gotten like a Jordan love and and then tacked on a Jaden Reed and maybe, but I don't, you know, and then I, what am I doing with the Minnesota side of that? Am I going to do something silly there? My KJ Osborne's probably already gone, you know, Dwayne McBride. Is that, is that maybe how I try to get some, so I could have tried to piece something together with that. What I did instead is when I got to the late rounds, I took some guys that I thought, you know, were good closing line value uh, types of picks. But then I also, in the final three rounds, I took, uh, I took Mac Jones as my quarterback too. I got Tyquan Thornton and I got um, Marvin Mims who, who built out my other stack that I, I got boxed out. Oh no, this stack didn't work. No, no, no. I'm still betting on that game. So I took Marvin Mims. If Russ has a good game and Josh Allen has a good game. Amazing. That's, a, that's exactly what I want. And I need Josh Allen to have a good game or otherwise I'm not doing anything anyway in week 17. Mm -hmm. So Russell Wilson going off as well is, is something I'm actually hoping happens, um, even though I didn't draft him. So, but Mac Jones plays Josh Allen in week 17. I only have one realistic out, right? I actually then after drafting Mac Jones right, I'm, or just before, uh, no, I took Hardy with my last pick. So, after drafting Mac Jones, I am continuing to bet on Allen. And I've now got three wide receivers paired with him. Um, Mac Jones is not hitting my week 17 lineup unless something has gone terribly wrong. So it, you know, it creates a situation where now I only have one out to a high-end week 17 outcome. My thinking on this is I spent my second round pick on Allen. I'm in by building in the Jones stack where I took Taekwon Thornton in the 16th round. 
that's actually an additional bring back for Allen. And I also benefited from another little bonus correlation, which someone was kind enough to tag us in after we talked about the super sicko spreadsheets that would be developed to, to come up with these bonus correlations. I did benefit here because Broncos chargers pairs with Patriots bills, the bills play the chargers in week 16 and the Patriots play the Broncos. So in this case, I actually kind of, kind of like it. I kind of like it because I get a, a true game stack quarterback doubled with a pass catching running back and a wide receiver double bring back with Marvin Mims and Cortland Sutton. And then on the other side, I've got this Josh Allen triple stack with wide receivers. Damien Harris, your, your time is over. You can chill. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for helping us get there. But that's brought back with, with Mike Williams on the charger side. So now I've got, they kind of break apart and form these two week 16 game stacks. Who knows? Maybe it is Damien Harris week. And Mac Jones gets me through with that double bring back on, on the Denver side. Um, and he throws a couple touchdowns to Tyquan Thornton. Let's go make the finals. Now Josh Allen is my only out, but that's yep. fine. He spent a second round pick on him. So that's kind of how I was thinking through that. But it is, it is like admittedly gross to only have one quarterback out, but at least there's kind of this additional bonus correlation that you're getting uh, with those, with that combo. I totally agree. So first of all, this, this is a, uh, a perfect thing to start to wrap with because this yeah, is... Yeah, we save this for the end of the show. This is fucking... <laughs> this, is this, where, is... this is where people are just pulling out of their... God damn it. <laughs> this, is, this is mental. If people thought Week 17 talk was bad last year, yeah, this, is this is true mental. padded cell mental illness. <laughs> um, but if you think I haven't thought about this, you are sadly mistaken because I absolutely have. So... Uh, the this it's also actually very fitting because it really is everything we talked about that you're putting all these things on a scale and seeing which side which side goes down right because the quarterback thing is competing against these other ideas and and not in the lens that most people would say oh well the bye weeks don't cross over you didn't spend too much capital on mac jones to go with josh allen Se- seems fitting right but you're like yeah but that week 17 thing I do think, again, in a vacuum, it reminds me of the tight end conversation we were talking about earlier. In a vacuum, yeah, if I don't get one of the elite guys, let's punt that baby off. Like, what's the difference between, uh, who was it, uh, uh, Herzig posted, what's the difference between Hayden Hurst and Dalton Schultz? Like, whether you agree or disagree with that, I understand what he's saying. What's the difference? So, like, yeah, in a vacuum, right, in a vacuum, I don't want my quarterbacks to be in the same game in week 17. Like you said, it is really limiting my, I've now made one bet. The whole point of all the correlations. Yeah. The whole point of all the correlations is I make a few different bets, right? Like you did with your team. You hit on both of them somehow. Absolute madness with Tom Brady and Daniel Jones, but you made those two different bets. It gave you these two different paths and it it happened. It just so happened. They both hit right. But most of the time, that's not what happens is one hits one guy scores 16. The other guy scores 35. And like, and then of course he brings along, right. Tom Brady brings along Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and everybody. And then DJ Moore on the other side. And so we know we're not going to use all 18 picks, but we set ourselves up to, to hit on one of three or four different, scenarios once you pull that quarterback into the same game with the other one you know you still got your outs like you said 
uh, with the Chargers and Broncos, and like it, the team's not dead. Don't but forget about Michael, the Falcons and Bears. But yeah, don't 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 forget about uh, Cole Komet hopefully hitting your flex. You know that's that's what we're, that's what we're really rooting for. Yeah, we're here. We're um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> While Kyle Pitts needs to score thirty, and Tyler Algier scores twenty five, and Cole Komet scores twenty six or you know twenty four. Yeah, like if, can, at that point, Cole Komet can take the day off. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm good. but it's it really is kind of the perfect like uh like sicko summary of this whole thing that we're talking about because in a vacuum i don't think you want that second quarterback in that in that same game but once we start to un you know unpeel the onion you see like well actually right it fits my structure we were talking about the structure thing i don't want to overspend on my it fits my levitan called it you know like positional capital allocation or something like that, right? It fits that because I just punted off QB two with Josh Allen. I have correlation with Mac Jones and Tyquan Thornton and Ramondre. I have the really sicko stuff. Like you're talking about week 15, week 16, right? I have those. Also, you really want to get crazy with it. I mean, the Patriots are in the same division as the bills. You get right. another get correlation. That. You get yet. Another Plus, I happen to draft a chief. Um, who happened to play the Patriots. This is total just luck box into this, but uh, <laughs> but Rasheed Rice, bring back in week 15. Yeah. <laughs> right, but like we know inherently that game stacks are, are, are really good. I do think that's a level, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, <laughs> you know, uh, t- breaking ties with week one game stacks or anything, but like, no, no. I think that there's, there is a level to, right, all like, again, there's just a bunch but of John Jackson weighing. is he put out his list on Twitter and uh, he was saying divisional correlation is on his low on his list, but it is on his list because if we, if we want to be live to finish and I would say, look, I mean, the team that uh, King caps team had a lot of these quarterback running back uh, Mm -hmm. correlations. I've got Mac Jones with Ramondre. I've got Josh Allen with Damian Harris. It is. I also bet on the Broncos to be good, you know, so I did do some – the Falcons, like Bijan doesn't have this great season and Algier plays a lot or whatever. You know, there's like – there's actually like regular season um, EV that you're building yep. in when you – because, you know, you I did at least have the quarterback stacked. I think that's the, the big difference yes. for me. It's like, well, what was I supposed to do when I get sniped on Russ? Do I just tack on another quarterback, hope to build it out later because I don't want to have these two guys in the same game? Well, in some cases, maybe yes, because I don't just want to only have bet on Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins. I do want to have a second out in week 17. But I think in this case, what I ended up feeling is like there's enough other benefits from having Mac Jones here with the stacking, with the the pairs, with the other games where I'd rather have that and lose a little bit of the week 17 juice. Um because let's face it, I already bet on Josh Allen to do it. Josh Allen, and that's exa- do it anyway. That's exactly what my last point was going to be. Was I do think it can become more of a conversation, right? If you have like a late round QB type type build, where your first quarterback is Derek Carr or something, right? Derek Carr versus Mac Jones is Derek Carr projects a little bit better, but much closer to a coin flip. And you didn't invest much in into Derek Carr, so I think, and you know, again, it, there's no right or wrong but i think in that scenario it's a lot different than josh allen you said it earlier and nailed it if you draft a quarterback in the second round fella and you stacked him with a first round pick and a seventh round pick if he fails 
exactly how are you winning this this tournament right <laughs> so your first round pick failed your second round pick failed your seventh round pick failed like uh like you're probably yeah. not going to win this one right you need the big game because that's how much you spent on that guy it's different right if you have Derek Carr and Mac Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo like you are kind of just saying let's throw all these guys into the box and shake it up and one of them's going to ho- hopefully turn out you know with 28 points in week 17 and so in that scenario, I think I would probably be like, mm, you know, assu- again, assuming everything else is the same, assuming the other things that we're weighing don't trump this. But I, I think in that scenario, I would say mm, I do probably want to lean away from it. But with Josh Allen, Mac Jones is. Yeah, don't don't take Derek Carr and Baker Mayfield. Don't do that. Yes. Yeah. You're not getting anywhere. You're, you're not getting anywhere at that. You're all you're doing is not raising your ceiling and just tanking your odds of finding the right the right quarterback because the thing about the quarterback stuff is it never works this way right sometimes running backs can just be the guy that score a bunch of touchdowns joe mixon had famously had the five touchdown game this year uh kamara did it for herzig what with four or five touchdowns uh a few years ago and so uh what's up with these guys that score five touchdowns in a game like trying to go to prison by the way apparently that if you Hmm. score five touchdowns you're gonna act a fool yes big big time red flag so uh uh don't, don't don't draft anybody that's Maybe you're projecting to score five touchdowns in a game, but <laughs> you heard it here first. Great advice. Yes, don't draft the really good players. Draft the draft the guys that don't score as many fantasy points. If you looked at my exposures, that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. By the way, like quarterbacks holding clipboards on the sideline has typically <laughs> been my strategy. But so you're you're drafting for right this. Uh, now I goddamn distracted myself, but the whole qu- to just to put a bow on the quarterback thing is like Mac Jones is this play on the regular season and the additional correlation and all these other things that that were weighing and that Josh Allen thing that second round pick that Josh Allen nugget outweighs all the other shit like if you throw everything like not in the garbage right but again we're weighing this you Josh Allen's this huge boulder. <laughs> When you put it on the scale, Josh Allen's this huge boulder. All those other things are a bunch of pebbles. Sometimes the pebbles will will be heavier than the boulder. But like in this instance, it's like mm, there's a couple pebbles over here. And then there's Josh Allen, this heavy ass rock on the, on the one side. And so you have to lean, lean, lean that way. Yeah, no, I, I think. And again, I don't like it, you know, and I don't like it. And I, this is hardly a perfect team, you know, it's just, but, I, yep. but I outlined the team because I think it was a sort of a fun team in terms of uh, the way that I built out this correlation throughout the draft and in different ways. And that's fundamentally like what I'm trying to outline here is that like, I'm not just focused on correlating this thing I already built, you know, it's like, Hey, instead of chasing Juju, who I don't like, and is not an ADP value, let me start to see, maybe I, maybe I do get Russell Wilson past ADP, right? Maybe I even, the next round, I'm like, you know what? I still don't – in the 11th, I'm actually going to see if I can scoop him in the 12th because there's a guy that I like in the 11th. I'm going to push it a little more and because I think I can recover from this. I think I'll be okay right. if I punt off my quarterback too because I have Josh Allen, right? So it's like that structural decision still making huge impacts on what I'm doing later in the draft. Um, but, you know, helping me avoid what I think would have been a mistake to go with Juju – is correlation is another correlation guy popping up and saying, Hey, I'm an ADP value. You like me better than Juju. And I correlate with Mike Williams. It's like, boom, let's go with that. That sounds way more fun. And it gives you a chance of like, 
building out more of a super team if you then were able to get Russell Wilson at a discount um, or, or what have you. I mean, and I think, frankly, the fact that I have two Broncos and a Charger, that is a game that could absolutely shoot out. And it's a game that could shoot out and you still want Josh Allen because 100%. Josh Allen's just that good. And so if you have Josh Allen stacked up and another game stacked up, I mean, I've done stuff where I go, I have Jalen Hurts and I will like aggressively attack the Chargers receivers as if mm-hmm. I drafted Herbert. Like you better, you got to watch out. I'll be in there sniping your Chargers receivers because I'm like, <laughs> you have to decide between Mike Williams and Keenan Allen as a Herbert drafter. I don't. I can draft yep. both those guys. I can get Quentin Johnson if I want. And, and the way the Eagles line up with the Chargers, like I could just come in and sweep up the Chargers, bring back a Bronco. Maybe I just bring back Mims or whatever. Or I, maybe I do P. Ryan and Mims and get, yep. get something like that or whatever I decide to do. I get a whole nother game stack. Plus, I'm like, I've got Hertz. So Hertz is going to go nuclear in week 17. I'm afraid of Russell Wilson. If I've got Hertz <laughs> and he went nuclear, I'm not afraid of Russell Wilson. I'm not afraid of even Justin Herbert if I've got Jalen Hurts. So I'm using the correlation to actually give me more options, right? And and by the way, in that same situation, if Russell Wilson were to fall to me at a value and I already have this Chargers-Broncos thing built up, and of course you don't have to pick that game, you can pick any number of games and you can let the draft kind of pick those games for you in some respect. But that's that's how you end up building a team that like a couple games go off and it's like, dude, yeah, maybe Herbert was the highest scoring quarterback on the week but Allen scored two points less and you had all Herbert's receivers. Yep. You, you want to be a Herbert team or an Allen team? Cause I want to be an, I want to be an Allen team. Cause I've got him stacked. Plus I had, plus I stole Herbert's points as well. Yep. I, I love that. The, the kind of stacking without the quarterback and the meta of secondary correlations and mini correlations and main stacks and game stacks, all, all of that. Maybe that's something we'll get into whether it's next week or sometime here in the future. Cause that's, that's, really really fun i think and that's where again this is another one of those things you got to figure out during that draft right is like yeah sometimes sometimes you are just gonna have the traditional i drafted this guy with two of his wide receivers and the the bring back on the other side or something like that and then sometimes you are gonna have like i just got hurts or hurts and devonta smith and now just give me all these chargers and give me all these right like you said um again liam a couple years ago joe burrow was the highest scoring quarterback uh, but Liam had Jamar Chase. And so, you know, Allen came close enough. Allen yep. was like eight, it was like eight points or something like that. Burrow so, was replaceable. Chase was not. That's yeah, generally, exactly. I, mean, I have this whole article on the site as well. Uh, this one's completely for free uh, about uh, daring people to snipe my quarterbacks. And the whole concept is, it's just a blustery, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, uh, getting getting worked up uh unnecessarily yes. about you're you about... are, you are up there shaking your finger on the stage at people you know? <laughs> i'm not shaking my finger. yeah I'm, I'm just belligerent i'm just like come or, on yeah come do it yeah uh but i'm but the the simple point is that quarterback's the most replaceable position even the spike week separate from the other quarterbacks less so it's yep. like you can't you had to have chase you didn't have to have burrow uh and that that happens all the time that happens all the time and especially with 18 roster spots or 20 roster spots it's more likely to happen. You just need to get sufficient quarterback points in there. You can do that in a number of different ways. Um, you know, this isn't to say not to draft the elites. I think I think the elites are pretty interesting, but um, it's just to say you can stack without the quarterback uh, very 
very easily. And and I think and I, it's something you want to be doing. I think you want to absolutely. be trying to do that in, in basically every draft. You want to have stuff without the quarterback. You said it perfect. Like the the great way to summarize it for me is almost like the correlation stuff is a way to avoid mistakes. Of course, there are perks to the to the correlation, but by siding with the good lord, by siding with the correlation, you can avoid a lot of mistakes. One of them being by caring about. <laughs> speaking of mistakes, by getting these two psychopaths was uh, clearly one of the mistakes. That sounds that horrendous, I, man. Those dogs are really howling. somebody. They are howlers. They are basically werewolves. And so, when uh, other dogs in the neighborhood, we're keeping this on. Talk about correlation, huh? One house, the other house. Correlated howling. The whole neighborhood, dude. It's the whole neighborhood. Uh, Everybody has a dog in this subdivision. And so, whenever someone, one of them howls, it's like it's, you know, the Christmas trees are lighting up all across the neighborhood. Everybody is just, uh, everybody's dogs are going nuts. But it it really is just like, it's a way to avoid mistakes. You're obviously building in a a really helpful thing in week 17, but you're avoiding mistakes. um, Like to, to like a million things that we talked about here to your portfolio, right. To reaching, to, to positional allocation, to all these things, you're helping avoid those mistakes. And then like the last point that you said is like, you're avoiding worrying too much about the most replaceable position, right? Right. This correlate, this correlation angle is getting you away from saying, from saying, Oh, I got to have this quarterback. It's like, well, no, you yeah. can co- it's, you can correlate in a little different way, and and then you don't have to worry about that right. because it's replaceable. And so you're avoiding. It's think about it more than just yes. I need to get my quarterback with this guy. That's thinking about it a normal amount. Think about it way too much, <laughs> and then you'll think like, well, hang on a second, this uh, this other guy correlates here. Just so I don't have the quarterback. It's still correlation. I'm still going to work this, and I'm going to work this in, and then you actually are going to build more fundamentally sound teams. You're going to build more thoughtful portfolios. You're not going to have to go to draft IQ in September and be like, what have I done? Oh, sure. You know, yeah. you're, you're going to have a, you're just going to have a better time. Absolutely. So um, I think that's a pretty good, good wrap. The dogs made an appearance because we can't have a show without my dogs making an appearance, but um, you got this article coming out. That'll be out by the time people I'll make sure and link it in the description when this gets posted on YouTube, but anything else uh, that, that the people need to know about? Uh, there are still some uh, underdog credits available if you sign up for legendaryupside.com at legendaryupside.com slash early. Um, you got to fill out a form as well. Uh, I'll have that in the description, uh, the page where you can find that form. Those are going uh, pretty quickly. So I would go ahead and, and do that if you want to uh, if you want to sign up. Uh, might want to prioritize that. Put that pretty high on your list. Uh, <laughs> You can higher also than get... your higher than uh, your week seventeen and, and higher than your week fifteen correlations that it goes definitely uncovering. goes higher than week fifteen <laughs> definitely higher than week fifteen, uh, and you can get forty percent off your spike week subscription uh, if you're trying to keep correlation in mind. One thing I'll do is I'll like star the guys and put them in my queue to keep track. But there are <laughs> technology exists to help us keep track of week seventeen correlation beyond just. Uh, risking timing out on quez watkins because you don't want to do that <laughs> yes exactly that is the the flaw of the the q strategy uh uh you know DraftKings doesn't always work and we're underdog you know sometimes it'll be a little slow to open and an like you said it's the sixth it's the sixth round and quez watkins is in the top of the queue that that uh you might have just punted off that team but yeah definitely just to reiterate 40 percent off of your spike week subscription we have an uh an nfl package uh, that'll you'll get 120 bucks off of the NFL package. It's actually quite a bit of money, along with the money you're saving over 
on on Pat's side, and uh, it's a pretty seamless fit. So if you're listening to this, you're clearly uh, mentally unwell, like we are, which means you're a pretty good fit for uh, for the Spike Week tools. Only thing I'll wrap with is uh, part two of our uh, How to Win at Best Ball series is coming out later today both uh, here on this Spike Week YouTube channel or here on the Spike Week YouTube channel, if you're listening to this on Pat's on Pat's channel. And there'll also be a written version. There's going to be a five-part series. So um, if you're listening to this, again, you're, you're probably a little, a little bit more advanced. But something that's been really helpful for me uh, is like creating these videos and these articles is as much as we're thinking about these advanced things, kind of going back to the very beginning, like at the beginning of the summer here or before you're going to start drafting or really at any point has been kind of helpful just like as a refresher to be like, Oh yeah, I'm thinking about week 15, <laughs> you know, how many crazy correlations and game stacks am I building in? Right. And stacking without the quarterback and all this different stuff, but like the core and basics of the game, right. The rules and manipulating your draft and all that are really the foundation of how we become good best ball players. So 100%. it's been helpful for, it's been helpful for me, even as a person who's literally thinking about this silly game a hundred percent of the time. So um, make sure you go check out Pat's Pat's latest article and all the links to everything we talked about here will be in the description and we will catch you guys uh, next week, next Thursday. See ya. Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.